Have you ever dreamed of being able to make more money, live a better life, and have the financial freedom that's rightfully yours? Well now is your chance. With an engaging perspective and tone, your host Ryan Dement will guide you through your journey to financial freedom one step at a time. Let's get to it. Here is your host Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement from Chasing Financial Freedom Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. Today on the podcast, we have Brandon Neely. Brandon is a serial entrepreneur, profit first and bank on yourself professional and the co-host of the Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast with his wife and business partner, Amanda. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. I love that you're chasing financial freedom. I feel like it is definitely a something that keeps eluding us sometimes. And a lot of times people want that kind of thing, but they don't know. They haven't even defined it, whatever that it means for them. So love this. It's, I think we could have a long conversation, not just on financial aspect. How about this life? What we were just chatting about. So we yeah. can go down a lot of rabbit holes, but we'll see where it takes us. So before we get into all the craziness and going down rabbit holes, a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into your journey. Yeah. So my wife and I run Wealth Wisdom Financial Partners. We have been doing this for five years now, and it's been an amazing journey. We started out running a coffee shop. We thought it was like, we want to make a difference, change the world. That's why we launched a coffee shop of all things, which MJ DeMarco, the millionaire fast lane, wrote a book saying, if you want to be rich, don't start a coffee shop. And I read that a little bit later in life. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have read that previously. That would have been awesome. And then I also learned about the, heard the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. Mm -hmm. Apparently I didn't get the memo that, that you have to have FI before you get RE, retire early. <laughs> and so we retired early from our W2 jobs to end up getting a, you know, job in the coffee world. And I was making less money doing that. And people would just say, oh yeah, but you love it. You love what you're doing. So it's okay that you don't get paid. I'm like, I still like to eat besides ramen. And it's just interesting as we go into business ownership in our world right now, that a lot of people think that it's easier on the other end. I'm going to leave my cushy job because I want to go be a business owner, an entrepreneur. And I'm like, yeah, you don't, you've never been a business owner yet. So anyway, I've learned a lot along the ways and my hope is to help business owners thrive and succeed. Majority of businesses don't make it because they don't understand cash flow. They don't under understand that the business that they're building should work for them, not the other way around. So anyway, that's a little bit about us and why I'm so passionate about this industry and what we're doing here. Cool. I fell into that realm myself too. I'm a two-time failure at entrepreneurship. I know that. Corporate America did not teach me how to fish be able to put food on the table and make sure that I ran a successful business. Totally different when you've got a paycheck coming in every two weeks, bonus coming in at the end of the month and an annual bonus. It's a little different when you don't have to worry about those things. And then you get in, into the real world and, oh crap, I've got to worry about that. And yeah. I racked up about $100,000 worth of debt and had to go through that whole process. But uh, would I do it all over again? People ask me that. Yes and no. Yes, as in there's great learnings in there. And I'm learning, but no, I don't want to go through that heartburn of having to pay off $100,000 of debt. So I will defer on that piece. 
So a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing today and how you're specifically helping small business owners. Yeah. So I do think about that question that you said of, would I go back there? And I usually say, no, I would never do that again, but it made me who I am and empathy mm -hmm. to understand how business works. And so for me, understanding the cash flow game, the cash flow system like Robert Kiyosaki does, and knowing that everybody has a plan for your money, including Wall Street and including every piece of it. And so like understanding we all have plans for our money. And if you're a business owner, guess what you're trying to do? You're trying to get people's attention for them to give you money, right? That's probably what's happening. But if you really want to get into it. So what I think about is, okay, using the profit first system, how do you make sure that you're paying yourself first? This is like the richest man in Babylon idea, right? Pay yourself first. And then making sure you're getting profit distributions and running a healthy lane business that's using the right percentages. So you're not like just racking up credit cards saying, oh, I hope it's going to work one day. It'll pay out one day. And we've all said that to ourselves, and we don't actually run a business and understanding how to read a P&L statement, for example. So we have a community where we help people do what we call the still method, right? Because you want to give your money jobs, not just have the money telling you what to do. You want it the other way around. But a lot of people say, I don't know money. It's confusing. It's this and that. And I'm like, this is the acronym we've thought about is it's chaos, which is confusing, haphazard, anxious, overwhelming, and stressful. Well, that's the tax code. That's all kinds of other areas, right? Why is it done that way? It's intentionally done that way. And so what we need to do is go back and where I say from the beginning, what is the, what are your goals? And then we call it the still method. So you have to set your sights. You have to track, inspect, look for 1% adjustments and live deliberately. And if you've done those things, you'll get to where you want to go. There will be, what do you call it? Things that happen. That yeah. kind of deter you, like that's called life. But if you have an idea, if you're moving in that direction and you can make those 1% adjustments, dials, that's a lot better. But again, business owners are like, I know how to make, I can sell widgets, but I don't know how to understand cash flow. And that's a problem, I think. Do you think that is a systematic issue from what we've lacked in the schooling system that we have in the United States? Where you just oh, don't understand think, financial yeah. literacy. I think, I think 100% because who makes money off of you going to college and getting uh, all the loans and stuff? Who makes the money if you're putting it into things that you can't control until you're 60, right? And deferring taxes and all of those things that we think are good for us, but maybe they're not, right? And trust but verify. And this is where I fell into the bank and yourself system, which apparently is a naughty word in a lot of places using properly designed whole life insurance that you can access and use. I used it multiple times to get out of an emergency. I had a flood in my business. Luckily, I had access to capital at a low cost in my policy that I was able to use to overcome that. I used it to buy a 
office, condo, and my house. And I'm recycling and using that money because I'm thinking about the system of how money is done. And what I've learned is don't do what the banks tell you to do, do what the banks do. They run a really good system on purpose. And we also have the Dave Ramseys of the world saying, do it this way. Just don't worry about the man behind the curtain kind of idea. Just keep doing that. And I'm like, maybe we should think strategic about our cash flow and systems. And if the life insurance was called something else, would we have a different opinion about it? Right. Probably so. But can we go down a rabbit hole? I like oh, whole yeah. life. Oh, yeah. I love rabbit holes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I love whole life. A lot of people don't understand that you can take mm-hmm. a loan against it from the cash value that is available to you at that point. Can we walk through that? And that's a good topic, but it's also a great way for people to help themselves out and also grow their money if they need to. Yeah. Yeah. So what I love about this is I think about this as my liquid savings part, right? So it's, I don't know if you have money in a savings account, you get taxed every year just for it being growing a little bit, which is not that much, right? Correct. I can put it into my policy and have access to a good portion of it. My biggest investment is me and my biggest risk is me. This is why I find it interesting that we will insure everything else, like our phones, our smartphones, we'll do that, but we don't want to insure the cash machine, which is us, right? And knowing that what I love about the power of a contract is it will be made whole at the end. Eventually, there will be an end to it and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what's so powerful. And to be able to look in the power of the contract, I could tell you with high degree of certainty where, and then the Dave Ramsey of the world would be like, yeah, but it costs you too much. It costs this much. I'm like, yeah, you're looking on the year one. Anybody that has started a business realizes that there's a cost of starting that business that they don't see until almost three years later, if they're lucky. And so for me and designing a well-designed policy, I could tell you with a high degree of certainty where the business model will be a profitable business model and I can have a, where it's growing more than I put in, but it doesn't stop there. Like, again, I told you, I used my cash value in my policy to buy my 20% down on my house. And then I paid it back, right? Because I'm the bank in that regard, right? Paid it back, did the same thing again. And I just rinse and repeat multiple times. So can we go a little more depth on that? So when you talk about the cash value, the time frame or horizon that you have for that loan, and then what, how do you set the interest rate for that type of a loan? Yeah. So it depends. You're in control, right? If I were to start like a, say a $50,000 policy. So I have one that's way bigger because I'm a business owner and I have to save for taxes, right? I just happen to save for it into a policy. I combine profit first and the bank and yourself method in that regard. And then I have another policy that's, uh, was 400 bucks a month, right? So when I first started 10 years ago, my kind of the way I think about it is it's like a line of credit or a HELOC, right? If you bought a house, you just happen to be the house. So I'm not going to be able to take a line of credit if I haven't been paying into the principal, right? Of course. And so that's the way it works with a HELOC. 
sim- similar idea. So if I were to put it into a policy day one, 400 bucks, I could probably take out 250 bucks in cash value. And then as far as paying it back, I make the terms of loan repayment. I could choose not to pay it back. Uh, I think that's not smart. The company that companies we use, and this is why you want to work with the right agents that understand this, banking yourself authorized type types, is it's a non-direct recognition company, mutually owned. So my money is growing in the policy as if I never touched it. As it's growing, my my policy now, the 400 bucks a month, it's now been 50,000 because of compounding, right? It's been 10 years, right? And then I take the loan cost from the insurance company as 5% simple interest. So I know that's 5% simple interest and I could borrow. And what do I want my APR to be? Depends on how much I want to pay back. I can lower my APR way, way down. But I know if I took a $100,000 loan, 5% simple interest is $5,000. Yes. That's powerful. And those are things that we don't talk about on a daily basis. And most people yeah. don't under, even understand that concept. Yeah. It's all cash flow management and thinking about controlling that. And I'm not saying that this is going to get you rich. Never do I say that. But it's a way in which you can then deploy your cash if you're a business owner. If I know that by having a loan access to capital and I can use that to maybe do a loan to, to buy, a, to, to create a book that's going to create 30000 instead of 15000 at least, that's a good thing. And it's off of the policy. I'm not, I'm the, and when I talk to clients, I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Don't just use it to spend, be ridiculous. Don't go to Tijuana or something, but using it efficiently to grow your wealth. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I read a stat a couple of weeks ago, last several years, the, a small business starting up is spending between sixty and $70,000 just to get started. And that's, right. that's that seems to be a little low, but okay, we'll go with that. That's a lot of money. And then the probability of that small business failing in the first several years is dramatic. It's high. 95%, right? Yeah, something like that. And then by year five or year six, it's close to a 50-50 shot type of a thing. But that's hard. One of the things that I'm looking at starting to understand is I've had a few guests that have come on and said, man, they're, they're some type of business coaches or whatever they're doing. And they're like, we have clients that are baby boomers that have no succession plans. And I'm yep. like, really? What type of businesses in dollar amount and stuff like that? But the one thing that really got me was when I started reading more about that, there's almost 13 million small businesses out there between a million and $5 million in annual revenues that have a baby boomer in charge or owning it with no succession plan. So let's call it, let's yep. call it 12, 13 million businesses. That's a lot of opportunity. And some of those have been around for many years. So they potentially could be ripe for an acquisition and you've got built-in cash flow along with revenue, but you could grow it in a certain way or it could be a total dump. You don't know, but you have yep. to look at it and see what's going on. But it's just another opportunity to expand your cash. So why not, if it was me, if I was going to take 50 or $70,000 out of my whole life, 
and look at it to go acquire an existing business, that's where I would go before I'd do a startup again, if you asked me that today. Oh, yeah. And then you would, you would always do, I think, in selling a business and doing a business valuation personally, we always overdo the numbers when we're the business owner. And we say, it's worth this much. And you ever watch Shark Tank? Seriously, these people oh, yeah. are delusional a lot of times. Uh, and, and I'm like, wow, that, now that's not even not in the real world. Because we think all of the sweat equity and all of this. But as I run the profit first system and access to capital, again, using the policies, but, uh, but I reverse engineer, begin with the end in mind using the still method. What do I want to end up at? And if I'm paying myself, right, that's going to be able to be a business that's more attractive, mm -hmm. right? Then if you don't, if you're saying, I want to buy this business and the owner makes less than minimum wage, who's going to want to buy that? And seriously. And the, no one. And the owner typically thinks, this is my retirement. This is how I'm going to retire is because I'm going to sell this. I'm like, uh, no, you started on the wrong foot. But you have to know your numbers and know how to deploy your capital. Again, the b banks love us. De depends. They don't love business owners. They love college grads or people going into college, I, I don't understand why, but it's really interesting to me to think about it. But then they charge us money on getting that loan to grow it. Same with if you do real estate, commercial real estate, yeah. those kind of things, the interest rate's higher. I'm like, yeah. hmm, why is that? Oh, wait, because they're skimming off the top. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. That's what's happening. But they're saying, it's not about that. It's about the risk. There's more risk. That's why we charge more. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But if when you come in and you actually have the information, that risk gets a little crazy. And it's talk about being, I'm a firm believer being the bank because I do something a little different. I think we talked about it in our pre-call is we originate private mortgages and we buy defaulted mortgages. So we are the bank. Defaulted mortgages today after the pandemic, I would say is a crapshoot right now, just for the simple fact people haven't paid, the people that are coming through the pipeline now from the banks, credit unions, lenders that we do business with haven't paid in almost three years. Some of these people are yeah. living so high on the hog. Mercedes Benz, BMW, Chanel purses and all this luxury stuff sitting in their house. And it's man, and you think you're going to get bailed out. But anyhow, I digress because that I saw that a couple of weeks ago in a site visit from the bank that they were sharing out a note they were trying to sell. And they, I can't believe they shared these pictures that these people had boxes of high-end shoes just stacked in their living room and BMW, Mercedes-Benz in the driveway. And I'm like, you haven't paid in almost 36 months, but you can afford those things. That's crazy. Uh, I, I think there's the illusion of the world that we're in, delusion, I guess you could say. Even with Instagram, all of this, I'm like, let me see your P&L statement because that's mm -hmm. going to tell me something more than I run a seven-figure business or I run an eight-figure business. Okay, how much are you taking home? That's a different number. And, and oftentimes we're done by the headlines or we're done by the Gucci bags and all of that. I'm like, what's really going on? And on top of that, this is something I think that is really interesting. We have gotten all of these things, yet our human health values like suicide and all of those things are in a, a blinking red, like a lot in all areas. 
And I think that there's there, there's things that are just telling us, hey, we need to stop. And we need to go back and say what's important. Again, the still method. What is important? Is a Gucci bag important or is it quality time? I don't know. I'm with you. Quality time. The most valuable thing we have in our lives is time. What's the old adage is somebody has a lot of money, they're rich, but if you have time, you're wealthy. And I, yep. that's what it needs to boil down to is the time piece because you can only make so many experiences because we're on the earth for X amount of years in our lives and that's it. And we don't know when that time's going to expire. So why not enjoy life? And I'm with you when you're talking about, I digress back into it is show me your PL. I go even further. Show me your last three years tax returns. And then if I think those are shady, let me see the transcripts. Because yeah. it, when you're looking at SDE, you know, that seller discretionary income that hit that bottom line, if you're telling me you're generating $4 million a year and you're only taking home $65,000, there's something wrong. There, there's yep. clearly something wrong and you have to go after it. And I literally, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I reached out to, I like self-service car washes, six bays at least. Yeah you know, with a potential tunnel on it, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, the owner says, hey, I'm trying to sell this. I'm retiring. My kids don't want anything to do with it. Go through all the details. He's making, it's multiple locations. He was making close to the $4 million, whatever it was. And he was taking home roughly $65,000, $60,000. And I questioned it. And after a good, healthy conversation, he finally told me is he's funneling all that money out to his kids so they don't have to work. So each of those kids were getting roughly approximately $82,000 a year to do nothing. Well, like, how? I can, yeah. yeah, I said that I could see why they don't want to take over the business. You don't have to work. So yeah. figure, figure that out. And it was just amazing. And then last week he emails me and says, Hey, you still interested? And I'm like, unless we can get down to the brass tacks and understand where everything is going, because there's still holes in some other places, I can't get that valuation. And if I'm going to be backed by my investors, they're going to want to look at something that's more stable than what you have. And he's been around 22 years and they just went through a nice remodel of all three locations. And they yeah. spent a pretty, they spread a penny penny on, on that. But man, I just, at least he was honest because most business yeah. owners, and I'm not saying they're lying. I think it's more of embarrassment. And maybe we can talk about that is when you're looking at the books and it's, it doesn't add up, let's have a conversation. How do you work well, with that? How do you approach all that? I do this with regular individuals and business owners. And a lot of times we are lying to ourselves, really. Uh, we tell ourselves certain things to keep our, this is in politics and in various things, we just keep the delusion going because we don't want to address what's really going on because that means we would have to change right no one likes change right or not having to buy that bag right that god forbid you have to like not do those kind of things or you live within your means or not have trust fund child children or something like that and then i just did a video that we talk about of why you should not budget why you shouldn't be budgeting and you know how many people tell me they don't have time for this kind of stuff they don't have time. I'm like, well, what you tell us is when you say those kind of things that your priorities are somewhere else, right? Yeah. Uh, and as you're doing a valuation with I, when I have my life insurance policies that are fully funded, it shows me what I value is my family. Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost, that's why we built these. 
and a succession plan. My my son is four years old. I'm he, hopefully he's going to run the business one day, maybe. But uh, building with the end in mind. But he's in a good good position, and and we're hopefully going to teach him. Also, he has a channel like a YouTube channel and all the stuff that he's going to be able to see the archives of what mom and dad think. That's cool. But I don't know. Some As I dig more into existing businesses, I see more and more uh, owners that just, they don't have a succession plan one and two. They do. It's very loose. And they're like, I want to exercise and take a look at what the open market would be able to bear. But those individuals, at least from my experience, are anywhere between two and three times higher than what the multiple should be. Like you said, they're asking for the stars. Um, But that just seems to be a challenge with business in general. So how do we effectively, and this is where I want to go back to, is listeners are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and some people are just small. They want to do side hustle. How do we effectively leverage those positions in our lives? One, to take care of time, take care of family, but then also be financially secure. Yeah, I think we need to, one is realize that savings is different than investing and we need to separate those things out, right? And saving for emergencies. This is the sad part. Like a majority of Americans don't even have an emergency fund because it's designed to us to not have an emergency fund actually. So being able to have some lazy money, I guess you could say. And then you reverse engineer whenever I think about the profit first model for my business, right? For every dollar that comes in, it's not a how much can I spend or whatever, what's in the different buckets. So instead of having one giant plate of food, I break it down into five to six different little plates, right? And so I'm not running a fat business because my OPEX is 30 to 40%, depending on what type of business it is, right? And so then for every dollar that comes in, if it's a small business, 50% is owner's pay, 15% towards taxes, 5% towards profit, and 30% towards OPEX. And I did not say a number, I said a percentage, right? And so we can reverse architect those and make the 1% adjustments to run a healthy, lean business. Maybe you're overpaying yourself and you need to like actually run a profitable business and get the kids off of payroll, right? Maybe that's an important thing that needs to happen, right? Because you're not running a business that's scalable, right? But the numbers tell me that. And then from there, whenever I have these percentages, I just happen to put one of them, one of the amounts into a life insurance policy that I use for taxes because taxes aren't paid every, you know, they're yearly, right? I save for it and then I'll deploy it or big expenses that come through. If you pay annually, you get it cheaper, right? So then I just happen to save for it. Or this is another cool thing that I've done and people thought, you can't do that. My escrow. I self escrow and people are like, well, that's impossible. You can't do that. You have to, you always have to escrow. I'm like, no, we don't have to. We will take care of the tax. We'll own it. We'll do it. And it just happens to go into our policy. We lowered our amount of closing costs, right? 
And then instead of a 0% loan going to the government, it comes to us and then we'll pay our property taxes. But that means I have to understand cash flow, manage cash flow like a millionaire is what our quest is. So knowing those things help us figure out and deploy it in those other areas. And that first piece of running your business effectively and making sure it's cash flowing is the biggest piece. Like you said, get the kids off the payroll. I asked them <laughs> how long they've been on the payroll. Cause I only asked for three years and I could, I'm guessing they've been on it for longer than three years. And he told me they've been on it since they were 18, 19, something like that. And it's gone up every year and they're in their thirties now, right around there, yeah. early, late twenties, oh, early thirties. My son already, he's four. I'm like, you're not going to be on the payroll. Hey, go get a job. <laughs> he's four. Maybe I need to be a little less strong on that, but it, it's work ethic. Yes. Yeah. It's work ethic. Go out there and get a job. And I was 15 and a half. I got my first job working at a car wash and gas station and kept on going from there. But that doesn't seem to be the aspect that we see in today's society that I know we've talked about it, but from that piece, the profit first and being able to start a business effectively, how, what could be some tips you could share? We'll start, we'll talk startup first and then we'll, we could talk acquisition. Mm -hmm. What would be yeah. some tips you could share from that aspect? Yeah. So from startups, don't be delusional and think it's going to be easier. I'll just leave my job and it'll make it easier on the other end. I'm like, yeah, I'm five years in and I think about with this business, it's five year, five year old business that there's still crazy things that I have to do, right? That I, again, if it's kind of like a child, in the beginning of the business, you have to do all kinds of stuff you don't really want to do, like clean diapers and stuff, right? And that's the way baby business is. And then it matures and there's less things that you have to do, but you have to realize where you're at, right? If you want a, buying a 20-year-old business is different than buying a two-year-old business, right? That's for example. But I tell every business owner that's starting, know that you know that you're called to it because it will be hard and it's going to suck and it's going to test your marriage. It's going to test all areas. It's going to test everything. So you got to know that then you have to have a team around you that care about you, not just your output. These are like your spiritual directors, your guides, pastors, your family that are there for you, not just for my cup of coffee. Because when we had the coffee shop and we had, mm -hmm. we're going through pain, the customers didn't care when they ask, how's it going? They don't want to hear that life sucks. They want to hear, oh, it's great. Here's your coffee. So you have to have that team and then know your numbers. Too much is not about numbers. We think it's an easy thing. I'll just hire an accountant or a bookkeeper and they'll do it for me. And, or I'll just hire a manager. I hear this all the time. I'll just hire a manager and I'll make all the money so I can be passive and the manager will do all the work for me. I'm like, um, I don't think that's the way it works, right? You have to like, maybe you get to that point, but you have to build up to that point. So don't be thinking that it's just going to start there. You have to build it, right? So know your numbers. Those are the three things for every business owner I tell people. A lot of people, I think you said it earlier, they're delusional when they think they're starting a business. It's going to be all easy. But the one thing, and I saw it today from Kevin O'Leary, he had a tweet that basically said, hey, you potentially could lose your wife. You could lose your family. 
you you could lose practically everything. But if you're willing to sacrifice several years of your life, entrepreneurship is for you. Are you in? Yeah. That's that sums it up is you can lose everything in this journey, but you're working nonstop in those first several years, seven days a week and in long hours. People only see the outcome of what we put in on a daily basis. They don't see all the stuff that's below the surface. And that's why I try to talk about this on my podcast is that entrepreneur entrepreneurship is crappy at times. It really sucks. You get get knocked down and you got to get back up every single time because people are depending on you. But it's, there's nothing rosy about it. And they think that uh, these unicorns that you have out there, Airbnb and and Facebook and whoever else you want to talk about that are out there, those are one in a quadrillions out there that actually happen. Most of businesses that come out, I I read a stat, it's 78 or 80% are going to be between revenue stages of about a million to 5 million. And that's it. Yeah. That that that's going to be your solid base of a small business. Yeah, and I think again we're comparing ourselves to the Ubers, and Uber's not very successful, yeah. right? Fi- financially, same with Facebook. Some mm-hmm. of those things that maybe it keeps growing, and I don't know. But again, as I build the business that I want, it's the business that I want for me. Where do I want it to grow? And I know that five years there, there is that getting punched in the face and getting back up, having staff transition. And you're like, all right, here goes again. How do we overcome those situations? That happens regularly, right? Especially during the, what is that? The quiet thing, whatever it's called. The quiet, quiet quitting. I th- quiet, oh, quiet, quiet quitting. Or, quiet resigning. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. And I'm like, that stuff is real. And then people are like, yeah, I'm just going to yeah, I get a laptop and sit on the sand. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that easy. No. But it's, I will never trade it. I'm five years into this business and it's, I didn't come from a rich relative. But I feel like most of the time, I, as I do my financial analysis with people, the success rate is low. Why, we, why do we have a community? Luckily, I have a business partner and wife that's really smart. So we created a community because I'm like, not everybody has that. We have a team and our marriage, and it almost tested us. It did. But then we can help others. And then I've realized, man, I'm doing more therapy sessions than anything whenever <laughs> I work with clients, right? And I'm like, man, you guys, as I do my financial analysis to qualify for them if, the, if a policy works, I'll ask questions and I'll say, this is a good date night question that you guys should ask each other because you have the one that's running the business maybe. And then you have the other person that's the spendthrift or things like that. That that happens almost every marriage. And yeah, I definitely feel like luckily we have a pastoral background. So we have some good counseling backgrounds. I never mm-hmm. thought I'd be having more about this than <laughs> doing finance and doing life insurance and, and Dave Ramsey loving to hate on us. I'm like, yeah, I do it because it changes lives. And it, it's dependent if we don't do this, I, you think about this, your kids, like if you if it's not healthy and successful, it could end up in a divorce and broken marriages and family, all kinds of stuff. That's how important the work we do is. It's, it's mind boggling to understand what entrepreneurship, small business ownership looks like and then what it impacts in your life. And if more people sat down and not went through that process to understand that before they decided to jump knee deep into it, I think you'd have a lot more success 
in this aspect. But the one thing that I've learned in this process is as I'm looking at businesses to acquire, I have to tune out everything I know. Literally got to, I have to stay away from anything I've done in the past. And I have to see a business that matches my skill set. I'm an operator. I like managing people. I like processes. I like growing the top number. So if yeah. that, if those are things that the business needs, I want to go look at it. But if it's going to be, if it's going to be all marketing driven, all sales, which I talk about it all the time is raising capital is probably my biggest bugaboo. And I still do it on a daily basis, but I suck yeah. at it. But guess what? I'll keep going and I'll continue to suck and get better every single day. But people don't look at businesses that way. They go after that emotional attachment of that. Like for me, I could talk about call centers or underwriting mortgages or whatever. I could go buy something to that extent. It doesn't always match my skill set or going to match my skill set in real terms as an entrepreneur. And I think that is a really important thing where we get fall in love with certain ideas and say, oh, I'm going to do this kind of real estate because I saw this person do it. So therefore, I'm going to do it. And real estate is very different depending on the type of real estate you're in. And I just watched a YouTube video. And therefore, I'm going to do it this way or that way. I'm like, do you know yourself? What is it? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to get in cryptocurrency or I don't know, whatever it is. But a lot of times we chase things and not looking inward and saying, what is my skill set and how can I amplify that? And then if you have a good team, right, then, Mm -hmm. then you can do a lot more and if you have the good numbers associated, then guess what? I then know because of my system where I can deploy capital into the things that I'm deficient in. Yes. And focus on the things that you're very good at to grow that top line or whatever you're good at. But man, we could go on for hours on this because we don't do that. We do the opposite. And it's right? frustrating when I see that. And now that I get to I'm out here in Arizona and I've probably talked about 15, 20 business owners so far in the last month and a half or so. And they all struggle with the same thing, even though their businesses have been around for, let's call it, let's call it a decade at least. They're all struggling with one thing. They're all stuck. They're stuck at that one to $3 million annual revenue. They're stuck and they don't know how to grow the top line. So it's okay. I like this because that's where I like to come in and unstuck people, un- unstick people. And show them that you can grow the top line, but you got to be creative in what you do. But again, it's got to match my skill set and people don't look at that. That's frustrating for me, but sorry, that's my tangent right there. And that that's probably you probably, if I would bet, use the 80-20 rule and Mm -hmm. 80% of what people do doesn't really matter. 20% of what they do does matter. And when you come in on fresh eyes, you're like, oh, let's double down on this. And put more fire into that. And if you have the numbers associated, then you can get rid of the 80 that doesn't work. And you're like, wait a second, I just unlocked it. But sometimes we're too close, us and included in our business. That that's why you have people come out and say, oh, th- here it is. Here's the 20%. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to do a little bit of a follow up on that. But yeah, that's, we'll see where it goes. We're getting close to the top of the hour before we get there. What would be the best way people could reach out to you if they're small business owners, entrepreneurs, they want to turn that side hustle? Where could they get to you? Where could they, excuse me, where can they contact you? 
Yeah. So go to Wealth Wisdom F. P, that's Wealth Wisdom, F as in financial, P as in partners.com. I focus a lot on the infinite banking and profit first side. So schedule a discovery call there. No pressure, nothing like that. And then be a learner. This is why we've been doing podcasts for years now and a YouTube channel. So learn not just from Dave Ramsey, who will tell you the same old stuff, but learn what works for you. and then. So for me, interview people on ours and just say, okay, what can I learn from them? Find a mentor, like those kind of things. But go to our channel, Wealth Wisdom Financial channel on YouTube, podcast. I better be everywhere. If you can't find me, let me know because I need to. (laughs) That's cool. I will link your website in the show notes. I will also put your YouTube and your other social media channels there. Sir, I thank you very much for coming on the show. It was a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and tips and everything that comes along with being an entrepreneur. You showed personal and professional, and that that takes a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. I'm excited to see where you go and how you're going to amplify the people you're serving, especially these business owners that are trying to get out. Yes. I might be getting into their business. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but that's where I'm trying to go with it. So thank you, sir. I hope you have a great day.